This program is brought to you by the Assembly of Geeks, geek content for a geeky world. Visit us at assemblyofgeeks.com. Isn't it great that our fandom doesn't have conventions? We have celebrations. And luckily for us, celebrating Star Wars doesn't have to end with the closing ceremonies. In this episode, we'll be celebrating and obsessing over everything we learned from our trip to Orlando. Welcome to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hi, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm Charlotte. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to the show. We are so happy because we're going to talk more about The Last Jedi in this episode. Um, we've had a couple weeks since celebration, and we're still unpacking things, and um, there's just so much to talk about. So we thought we'd devote an entire episode to everything related to the content we've gotten from The Last Jedi. Mainly, Luke Skywalker spoke, and I'm living for it. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah. So in part one, we're going to be discussing The Last Jedi trailer. And in part two, we'll tackle the term Grey Jedi. And in part three, we're really excited because we are talking to Miss Kersey and Rachel from Scavenger's Horde about the heroine's journey and the future of Rey in the upcoming sequel trilogy. So you're basically going to really want to stick around for all that because I promise you it's a great discussion. And without further ado, let's get started. So here we are. We're going to talk about The Last Jedi trailer um, in further detail. So now we've had two weeks. Caitlin, what are your thoughts given the fact that we've had a couple of weeks with this trailer now? I can't even properly articulate how excited I am for this movie. Like, <laughs> is it December? Um, I think I'm, I'm really excited to see about the philosophy of what of Luke, the philosophy of Luke in all capital letters, um, how that's going to look. I'm really excited for that. Um, I'm also really excited to see what Kylo is getting up to. I feel like we people aren't talking about Kylo enough, and he's he's going to be a big player in this next movie. So I know we didn't get a lot of him in the trailer. What I did w- you think? I wish we got more Kylo, to be honest. But like, it's just a teaser. So yeah, it's just a teaser. We'll get more. I think, I think that's kind of the point, though. It's almost like they're holding Kylo back because he's going to be... I think people are underestimating how big of a deal or how much a player Kylo is going to be in the next installment. Me too. And part of me thinks that's because Kylo isn't necessarily, like, the fan favorite among people um, or, like, the general public favorite because of, you know, the patricide and all. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that (laughs) but and I think they're holding back because obviously I think it's clear that Ray is like the character favorite you know you know what I mean oh yeah absolutely so but I also think that everything we've gotten in this teaser trailer is happening in maybe the first act of the movie I really do think that Absolutely, I think so too. They did that before, um, and I don't think we even realized it. It's funny because we all saw that released image that they put on the Disney t-shirts, I think, with Ray with her hair down, and we never saw that in the teaser. It leads me to believe that this is just the first act. 
I think so too, because I, I find it hard to believe that they would spend the whole movie on the island, you know? Um, (laughs) I think that we're going to have, you know, the, some form of a training montage, however that looks, um, (laughs) while things are kind of developing with the resistance and with Kylo, and then all the pieces are going to start moving as as in like the actual people are going to start moving around act two. And then by act three, they're all going to come together for quote unquote something. Right. And then that's, you know, we'll probably have some version of a cliffhanger, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, there has to be because if it's going to follow the lines of Attack of the Clones and Empire Strikes Back, it will see our heroes fail and then end on a big cliffhanger, a big note. You know, maybe we'll find out about race parentage. I don't know if that will be the big hint, but who knows? Just All like I'm Empire. saying <laughs> is that well, I forget when we talked about this or if we've heard this. Anyway, just the idea that they keep bringing up Obi-Wan Kenobi an awful lot, dropping little bits and pieces of Obi-Wan Kenobi throughout all of these movies and throughout all of these other areas, like in Rebels and stuff. And Obi-Wan Kenobi makes an appearance in this trailer. So I'm just adding another tick mark to my reasons why Ray should be Ray Kenobi. I'm still not but, sure. Yeah. <laughs> or sold. <laughs> these days, I'm leaning more towards Ray Nobody. Yeah, me too. But my heart of hearts wants her to be Ray Kenobi. So I'm going to keep pulling for it until the very end the thing is also i mean back to our like main characters this is definitely part of the first act because finn is the only time we see finn is in his like little like coma machine or whatever (laughs) what is a coma machine i just wish that we saw rose in this trailer (laughs) i'm changing the subject because i can't i can't move you can't explain a coma machine machine. no yeah i'm really excited to see Rose. I think she's going to be a great character and but what I'm confused not what I'm confused about. What I'm interested to see because what did they tell us that Rose and Finn are going on their own little expedition? I don't know if that's actually going to happen or sure. if okay. if we just like took that out of context. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember, but that sounds like a valid thing in my head for some reason. What what I do remember, Caitlin, is that Rose is kind of like a hero worshipper of Finn. So, oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I would love to see like some banter between Poe and Finn about how Rose is so obsessed with Finn and like mentioned something about the jacket and that's gonna Puss, happen. Like, yeah, but that that's my jacket. And Rose <laughs> is like, but it looks better on him. <laughs> I want that scene and BB eight to agree with Finn and Poe will be like, Hey, you're my droid. <laughs> will Rose get to wear the jacket? That's the question. <laughs> Wow. Let Rose wear the jacket, 2K17. <laughs> 2K17, yes. Yeah. I mean, Kelly Marie Chan was already wearing a Finn sweater, so. But we should probably talk about the trailer just a smidge, <laughs> right? Just yes. a little bit. So what was kind of the standout image for you from the trailer? Um, I think the uh, books with the Jedi logo on it have got me thinking so much, and I can't believe that they used that logo that actually wasn't seen on screen until Clone Wars. So it makes me keep thinking, like, Caitlin and I have been saying this for a really long time, but, you know, the future of Lucasfilm, all you need to do is look in the animation, and I wonder if what we're going to see is something totally similar to, like, the mysteriousness of some of the old Clone Wars episodes and some of the Rebels episodes. We should preface this conversation by saying that Charlotte just watched the Mortis trilogy from Clone Wars like today yes so that's I feel like that's going to be coming up a lot in this discussion and for good reason too for good reason I think 
Yeah, I think that the bookshelf with all the with the books on it for one is a really dramatic bookshelf. If that if that's so what dramatic. we're actually looking at. Um, <laughs> two, I loved seeing the Jedi, the Old Republic Jedi symbol. Um, I thought that was really exciting. But for me, I loved seeing. I loved that moment with Kylo. And I also love just visually the shot of those ships with the red yeah. streaking behind them. In Bolivia. The, the film yes. in Bolivia. Yeah. It's so cool. It's, I can't wait yeah. to see that. I think that I'm, I'm curious to see what comes of that. Um, I know Kate, Caitlin's not a spoiler reader, but I've kind of been more invested in spoilers in this episode than I have with any in the past. And I think it's just because of our foray into podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see that planet in particular. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have to delve into spoilers now that we've started this podcast adventure. Yeah. But I kind of, I'm not going to go searching for spoilers. I'll say that. But if they come to me, I'm not going to be mad about it. Yeah, I understand it, that. That doesn't mean you can text me spoilers. I'll put that out there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think overall, though, this trailer had, like, a really good tone, and I think, you know, I asked around to my friends who aren't huge Star Wars fans, and I asked them what they thought of the trailer, and everyone said that it was awesome, and it was great, and they're really excited to see what happens next, and I think that was the goal, and it succeeded for me. I think a lot of people were a little bit like, where's that moment that gives you, I got chills, but that gives you chills, like the Chewie were home moment, we didn't really get that. I think the line that Luke says at the end is amazing, but if you're not a super deep Star Wars fan, I don't understand if I I don't think you understand the significance of that line as much as you know people and readers of the lore really do. You know what I mean, Caitlin? The lore. The lore. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I was actually going to say that I think it's the one that says where he says it's so much bigger, you know, the balance, the light and the dark. That one kind of sticks out, I feel like, more to hardcore Star Wars fans than it's time for the Jedi to end. Because I think most people, I mean, so I've been reading the original, the OG Thrawn trilogy. Um, I've restarted it. I'm embarrassed to say that. Um, but I'm in the middle of it now and it's crazy thinking about how all of our perceptions of Luke are really from the original trilogy and, and from the Thrawn trilogy a lot too. Just this idea of someone who's so entrenched in the Jedi, like he's chasing after that ideal of who the Jedi are, I think, or how, I guess that's how we've perceived Luke is that he's really obsessed with the Jedi, 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 Jedi. Yeah, Jedi, Jedi, Jedi. And I mean, it's kind of like when the prequel trilogy started, everyone thought that we were going to get this picture-perfect Jedi order. And Mm -hmm. that's not what we got. And I think that's what Luke has discovered, too. I hope so. Yeah, and and I think he will. I think that's that's what he's hinting at um, when he says that it's so much bigger and it's time for the Jedi to end. Um, It's like he searched for this great truth of who he thought the Jedi were. And I think he found out what all of us know from the prequel trilogy is that they actually weren't all that great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually tweeted that a couple days ago. And I feel like the that line, it's so much bigger, is actually so interesting because for mm-hmm. a while, the six movies that we got, like from 2005 onward, we were convinced that, you know, it was telling the story of Anakin Skywalker about him bringing balance to the Force, how Luke helped in that, you know? It's all about mm-hmm. a balance. And now, you know, it kind of goes into what Ryan Johnson was saying at the panel about how they're kind of going into this, like, scary territory. This is the scary territory of what does it mean (laughs) 
to go beyond what they were trying to define as the balance. So it's so much bigger. It's, it's so much bigger. <laughs> well, it's like you said, they've been dropping these hints about where the philosophy of Star Wars is going throughout the animation um, projects that, that they've been doing. Hashtag Dave Filoni rules. Yes. Um, but I mean, when you think about arcs like the Mortis arc, the, um, the Talzin sisters, um, Darth Maul in general, like <laughs> um, Malachor with Ahsoka and the Sith Temple and Vendu, like all these things are pointing to a bigger picture of what the Force actually is. And I think that the the last jedi is going to take that to a whole new level in like the film canon as opposed to like animation canon you know what i mean and i wonder if it'll be an indicator i mean i don't want to jump too far ahead but i wonder if it will be an indicator of how things will move past episode nine um it opens up a lot of ground about what they could do like mystically with the force and you're really moving ahead like i know episode nine (laughs) i know but you know what i mean though it doesn't have to be defined to like the jedi story i suppose well what i'm interested to see is if how much they're gonna pull from what's already been said in things like clone wars and rebels and how those things that are already represented there like venue for example are going to be how those are going to fit into whatever we learn from Luke and the last Jedi. Mm -hmm. That's, I think I'm really interested in that kind of how they're going to be connecting the animation world and the live action world a lot, because I know they've done that in little bits and pieces with things like Sagarera, but I really want to see it on a big scale, like between the last Jedi and rebels and clone wars. Me too. I think they've been working towards it too. And I think the response that they've gotten from the inclusion of things like saying Harris and Dula in Rogue One and having Saw mm-hmm. Gerrera in there it's been so good overall for the saga and like again the lore of Star Wars that <laughs> I hope that they move forward and even just by like I feel like that's why I responded so much to that logo even just by including that logo they are hearkening back to the prequel time and I'm ready for them to bring in past stories to reference things for things to go over people who aren't like super fans heads but add so much to the story overall real talk are we gonna get a padme reference oh please we have to (laughs) (laughs) i can't even imagine where that would fit in but i'm ready for it (laughs) i'm i'm so ready for it (laughs) so i'm not really sure how we should end this segment so all i can say is it's time for part one to end Okay, so we have to talk about Grey Jedi. Well, first I have to say that my first response to (laughs) the Last Jedi trailer in our last episode was Luke has become a Grey Jedi. Yeah, it's something you can't retcon because it's out there for everyone. (laughs) I know. And the thing is, is I don't even like that term. I didn't even like it before then. It just really did come to me, remember? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was a first response kind of video podcast so (laughs) it really was but I think I mean I think I I think so many people who are informed at all about Star Wars jumped to the gray Jedi term I think it's how a lot of us were describing Ahsoka in Rebels after like when she first came back in Rebels and she goes I'm no Jedi you know yeah I think I think that was the terminology that was floating around to describe her and I'm pretty sure that that term has originated in like Legends old EU canon right I don't know Um, that's not my expertise 
It's not mine either. <laughs> I, I think, though, that that term has existed in the EU before, but I, I know that I was hearing it a lot to describe Ahsoka in Rebels and in, and in Clone Wars a little bit, too, but mostly in Rebels. So I think that I think it's natural for all of us to have jumped to that conclusion because, you know, it, it's how we saw Ahsoka, it's how yeah. I saw Ahsoka. Yeah. So, like, is it fair to insult people who use this term? To me, I'm not so sure because... I go back and forth, to be honest, because I think really the whole issue of gray Jedi, like quote unquote, is an issue of semantics. It's just when people don't understand or don't know how to define someone who uses the force, but isn't a Jedi or a Sith because the movies haven't given us an explanation of that yet. Besides Baze and Cherit from um, Rogue One. And even then... I mean, there's that new novel that's coming out on Tuesday, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, you know, they're followers of the wills. Like, it's just a different type of force use. And um, I don't know. I... Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that we just we don't have the vocabulary to describe it yet because the movies haven't given us given it to us. Like they exactly. can't like that can't that part of canon. Um, I'm using that word too much here, but that part of like the Star Wars universe doesn't exist yet. And maybe it doesn't even exist in, in universe yet because Luke is in the process of discovering what it is. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't think we should be insulting anyone who on Twitter, who is having ideas no. talking about Star Wars. So be nice on the internet, people. Um, PSA. PSA. Um, but I mean, Pablo himself tweeted out that Grey Jedi is not a term that's ever been used in the story group. So I think it's safe to say that that's not Luke. But I think it is a matter that we just we don't have the understanding yet to really know what it is that Luke is talking about. And the only way we can explain it is to call it a great Jedi because it, I mean, it's what he says. It's so much bigger. It's not just Jedi and Sith. There's so much more, you know, than just than the balance. It yeah. is, all of that. Um, and so I think in the last Jedi, we'll be getting that vocabulary. We just don't have it now. Yeah. The thing is though, it gets controversial when you think about the Bendu, because in that last episode of rebels, we saw how Bendu can't really be neutral he has to defend and he doesn't, I mean, he, what happened to all those people on that planet? It's, he, he got so angry. It's so, it's so interesting to me because he couldn't just sit, sit to the side, you know? I think I need to go back and watch the introduction of Bennu because I can't remember it clearly off the top of my head, but I one in the middle. Yeah. He doesn't describe himself. I think that's careful wording to describe yourself as neutral Versus the one in the middle. Neutral, yeah. I think you could have an argument for saying, well, is he really neutral? Because he like turned all, he turned the evil up <laughs> when he became a storm. But to be in the middle, I think kind of means that he can sway either way. That he is both the good and the, or the light and the dark at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. Um, I, I don't know if I would describe Bendu as neutral. Um he, what was it he that Freddie Prince? That's the yeah. point, though, is that if a great gray Jedi can't be neutral in the middle, just. But I think honestly, the thing is, is that when people say gray Jedi, they really just mean Force users aware of the pros and mm-hmm. cons of Jedi and Sith. You know? Yeah, 
Well, it's because you want, I think it, I mean, it's kind of what Kanan wanted Bennu to be. He was like, okay, I get that you're um, in the middle, but I need you to be like in the middle, leaning towards the light side. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what gray Jedi is. It's like, okay, you're in the middle, but you're a good person. And Bendu, I think in that moment in the Rebels finale is like, I'm in the middle and I'm not always a good person. I don't even know if you could describe him as good or as evil because it's not like if we said a gray Sith, you would, would, it's kind of, it's almost kind of like Maul when they were on Malachor. Like he was, he, he really wanted Ezra to be his apprentice. So in that sense, he was kind of nice is kind of the wrong word for that, but he was a little bit more endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, you could almost call Maul a gray Sith because he wasn't really a Sith at that point. No, he wouldn't he, call himself a Sith either. Yeah, but he was he was evil. Yeah, it's you know, it, and I think that's how we I think that's how we would describe Maul. But see, this is just like our point though is that in animation you see these types of like nuanced Force users that you mm-hmm. don't see in the films, and that's why it's confusing, and that's why yeah. people say gray Jedi because yeah. what people come from is the Jedi and the Sith from the films. Yeah, that's their only vocabulary. It's just so interesting because I like like we mentioned before, I just came off of watching the Mortis trilogy that kind of it has it's been a while. Like I watched it last year, I think, but people you could say like the gray Jedi, the is the father. I think yeah. a lot of people have made this um assumption, you know, people who control both the light and the dark and see the pros and cons and that both live within him. He says that. Um, so you wonder if, like, maybe Luke is be- going to become something like the father, but then that just has weird implications because it's so hard to think through the Mortis trilogy. Oh, my God. The Mortis trilogy <laughs> is is crazy. Our other, our second PSA for the episode is watch the Clone Wars. Yes. Watch Rebels. <laughs> Personally, I do think that the Clone Wars is a little bit more nuanced with that, and just because they've had a lot more time to go into yeah. you know, the mystics and the um, like, the differences, I suppose, um, yeah. between all these things. But I think that the term Grey Jedi isn't a good term, and maybe we should be looking beyond that because we have characters like Chariot and Bees. I don't know. What do you think? I think for people like us, and I don't mean to like categorize star wars fans but people who just think think a little bit more about the philosophy of of the force Mm -hmm. um gray jedi is probably not a term to use but i mean like we said i think for a lot of people who are only interested in the films it's kind of the only term they have right so i it's hard to say like thou shalt not use the term gray jedi until the last jedi comes out and we actually know what's going on and the thing is, I really do think that... I don't think Luke has turned bad or evil at all. I mean, that would no. be a total departure from his character and everything we've learned about him for three mm-hmm. whole movies. Yeah. Um, I don't think that he is more like the son than the daughter in Mortis Trilogy. You know, no. At all. I think that he is obviously more, like, more on the light side um, and just understanding of the trials that his father went through and the mistrust placed on the Jedi Council. And I think this all has to do with the fact that the Jedi Order in the prequel era was really kind of this like insane, I mean, if you could put it in like modern terms, they're like this insane religious cult that like encapsulates Mm -hmm. everything that you do when really it should probably be more of like a training academy rather than like this intense like give up everything no emotion type situation 
And yeah. I think that's what Luke is learning. I think I think for Luke, the the backstory of his past 30 years has been becoming enlightened about who the Jedi really were. Because I, I, I think I think that he had this idea, like we all did, of who they were. And as he started to research it, it turned out that wasn't the case. And what what I'm interested in is if that enlightenment about who the Jedi really were and or really just about you know, that there's so much more, so much bigger um, than just the Sith and the Jedi, if that came before or after um, Ben became Kylo Ren. That's what I'm interested in. I think think, he tried to have, like, you know, a group of, like, younglings and boys and girls to train, mm -hmm. and it just didn't work out, and he found all these things. Maybe he found out one specific thing that led him in one direction and Kylo in another. I'm not sure. I kind of think it happens after, too. Like, he's putting so much pressure on himself to create this new perfect Jedi Order, and then Ben falls to the dark side, more or less. Um, (laughs) The kind of process. (laughs) (laughs) And then he kind of starts researching, for lack of a better term, what went wrong, almost, to see if there could be, if he could, like, if the the archives could shed light on it and he starts to realize how flawed the Jedi order really are. And he has to reevaluate everything that he, he thought was true. Um, the things that Yoda and Obi-Wan told him. Cause I mean, you gotta imagine at the end of return, the Jedi Luke is like, yeah, the Jedi were great. Look at Yoda, look at Obi-Wan. Like they helped me get my father back. They, I mean, that we know of, they didn't tell him all of the bad things that the Jedi were too, which I think, the Clone Wars and Rebels have showed us that Re- that Obi Wan and Yoda have realized that, like realized where the Jedi Order went wrong. Yeah, Caitlin, you have to remember that both Ben and Yoda never really believed that Luke could ever bring Vader back, too. So it's just like a lot of like, wait, they were wrong, they were wrong, and I was yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. So like, it, it's. It's funny because you look back and you're like, oh my god, Yoda and Obi-Wan, they're such great Jedi. But, like, they didn't believe that Luke could possibly turn back Anakin. They didn't think that he was redeemable. And and I think probably what happened after Return of the Jedi was Luke being like, wait, all this stuff happened. Wow. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But you see, the thing is, I think Luke's inherent nature is to see the good in people. So I think even though Yoda and Obi-Wan were wrong about him being able to bring Vader back from the dark side, I think Luke probably still sees them as in through rose colored lenses. Yeah, you know, I think he I think he still sees them as this epitome of who the Jedi were. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, like you said, afterwards, he you know, the information starts flooding in about what really <laughs> happened. But the question is when that information flooded in. And, like, did he, did Yoda and Obi-Wan and Anakin, like, force conference with him afterwards and be like, here's the story, yo. Or <laughs> was that... I, I want. I want to see that. <laughs> Luke's gone through some, through some stuff in the past 30 years. But For sure. still holding true that he's doing something on the island. He's not hiding. No, and I really hope I don't have to come back and eat my words in December. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see, and we'll report from there. <laughs> yeah, you better believe we will. <laughs> Today on the podcast, we have some very special guests. Um, we They recently won the best new show from Star Wars Podcast Awards. Here are Kirsty and Rachel from the awesome Scavengers Horde podcast. Congrats and welcome, ladies. Yeah, we're so happy that you're here. 
Oh, Aww, thank you for thank having you. us on. It's very exciting to have you guys here. We've been listening to your podcast for a while, so it's great that we get to have you guys on to talk. But before we dive in, we wanted to know, what is y'all's Star Wars story? How did you guys become Star Wars fans? Well, I guess I've loved Star Wars ever since I was a little kid. I was introduced to it through all the old Star Wars toys my dad bought me from car boot sales. And I, I don't think you have those in America, so I guess <laughs> it's like a flea market. Um, is what would be to you guys. We have those. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that I should translate. <laughs> um, yeah, so I watched all the original trilogy films a lot when I was a kid. Um, and while I wasn't as into them, like and I didn't see them in cinemas, I, I did also watch them. Um, and then I really fell deep into Star Wars fandom thanks to The Force Awakens. Um, I really, really liked Rey's journey and I felt that allowed me to get invested in a way I hadn't been invested before. And I also just found it so exciting to have a Star Wars trilogy where I wouldn't know what the outcome was. Because obviously with the original trilogy, everything's taken for granted. I think just through a process of osmosis, you know things like Darth Vader is Luke's father. You know that Luke and Leia are brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So there's no like surprises or like genuine suspense because you do know the beats that are going to come. And yeah, there's just something magical about not having that knowledge going into it. Definitely. Yeah, I'd watched the original trilogy as a kid as well, and I really enjoyed them, but my parents weren't big film fans or anything like that, so it was kind of just, I watched them as they came on TV and that kind of thing, but I remember I was 10 years old when The Phantom Menace came out, and so even though I'd seen the original trilogy, it was like the prequels were my introduction to them in a way, Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like it, it really enriched my understanding of Vader and Luke's dynamic. You know, you you really start to understand what happened to Darth Vader and and that a good person can fall because they have these good intentions initially, but can easily get manipulated and kind of trick themselves into thinking that something truly terrible is acceptable somehow. Um, so that that was when I kind of really started to grasp the themes of Star Wars and like the ideas of redemption and and love and and how key that was to the kind of mythology of the world that George Lucas had created. But yeah, same as Rachel, it was when The Force Awakens came out that my obsession <laughs> truly began. And, uh, <laughs> and then I started to get engaged with other fans online because I couldn't bear the thought of waiting another two years to find, like to talk about this because <laughs> I was just so excited about where the story was going. I loved the new characters and the story so much. That's that was kind of why we started the podcast for that reason as well, right? We just kept, we wanted to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I loved what you said, Rachel, about um, kind of having a sequel trilogy where you don't know what's going to happen. Because I started watching Charlotte introduce me to the Star Wars universe, and it was 2006 when I first saw Star Wars. So right after Revenge of the Sith came out. So I've pretty much known, I went into it knowing how it was all going to end. Sitting down for The Force Awakens was incredible. And now to think that we have two more films where we have literally no idea what's coming down the pipeline is <laughs> is so much fun. And I love this part. This time in between films is so excruciating and long, but it's also so much fun too. It's so great to speculate and talk at ad nauseum about Star Wars and like what's <laughs> going to happen. I love that part. So one of my favorite things about your podcast is that you talk a lot. Well, first you talk a lot about spoilers and I love that, but you talk, <laughs> <laughs> you, you really do bring up the heroine's journey often. And I was wondering if you could tell our listeners about what direction you think Ray's story is going based off of your observations with the heroine's journey. Yeah, I'm not as well versed in the heroine's journey as Kirsty is. Mm-hmm. I'm sure when she speaks, 
speak, she'll be able to speak much more intelligently about it than I can. (laughs) Um, But there are definitely um, clear parallels between Ray's story and the heroine's journey, um, which are really exciting. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see the film go through them, basically tick them off like one by one. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I I guess as for where Ray will end up, I see her story being one like where she moves from powerlessness to power. Um, We've already seen this arc in The Force Awakens, but Rey still doesn't have much opportunity to exercise her agency in that film. She's forced into these situations by her circumstances, but there's no time for her to really pause and consider what she actually wants or believes about things. Mm -hmm. You don't get much sense like of her personal ideology beyond I want to find my family. Um, and, and yeah, and it's been nice to see that Daisy's like indicating that we're going to see this change in episode eight um, with Ray, like really getting a chance to explore her agency and make decisions for herself. Like that just makes me so excited because I want to learn more about who Ray is like as a person in her own right. So yeah, I'm really excited for that. Me too, me too. I, I really hope, and I think it will come to fruition in The Last Jedi. I hope that that movie has like a lot of pause and ability to develop even more character attributes for Rey, um, like you said. Um, just, yeah, kind of echoing what Rachel was saying, like that was one of the reasons that I was really excited about The Force Awakens, because you had Finn kind of following more of the classic hero's journey that we saw. Luke's journey in the original trilogy kind of based off, you know, that classic Campbell um, kind of monomyth, but... Mm-hmm with Ray's journey it really does seem to be more of a heroine's journey and that can kind of explain some of the differences between the way The Force Awakens works compared to A New Hope because I know some people thought that it was kind of a carbon copy um, and it, it kind of is on a superficial level right but um, with the actual character's development um, it, there are some nuances. So the two popular hero heroine journey models that I tend to use are um, by Maureen Murdoch and Valerie Frankel And if you like both of those models, you can really track Ray's journey. And there's such an emphasis on um, the kind of integration of the masculine and feminine parts of the self. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's still it's pretty similar to Campbell's. Like it's it's an evolution of it um, that still has that kind of Jungian influence. Basically, it's Ray finding her sense of belonging. Right. That she's clearly at the beginning of the film. They they go through great pains to, to tell you that this woman is so lonely and isolated mm-hmm. and and Ooh. she has so much potential you very quickly realize how awesome she is um and the overall story will be about her finding her sense of belonging um and finding that in people and in a cause that she feels strongly about yeah so i think there's they're still kind of going with that strong Jungian sense in star wars because we've seen like ryan johnson referencing um robert Bly's work and carl Jung in his research for the last jedi so i'm expecting them to still kind of hold true to those roots of Star Wars, even if they're going off on a different journey tangent, um, because they very consciously obviously chose a female protagonist. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting. Yeah, I think that's something that's going to be so interesting watching the rest of the sequel trilogy play out, because you want to honor where Star Wars came from. The history of Star Wars itself is just a big, just as much a part of its legacy as the film itself, if that makes sense. Um, so you definitely want to find a way to honor those those story roots and those character trajectories. But how are they going to make it different? Because, I mean, I think we saw a lot of the similarities between The Force Awakens and A New Hope. But for us, it was the plot structure, I guess, more than the characters. The characters are what stood out because they were so different, I think, than what we what we've seen in past Star Wars um, films. So I think I'm really excited to see what's what's coming next and how they are going to switch it up, but still 
still kind of kind of keep the keep the Star Wars feeling, I guess. And I, I don't really like saying Star Wars feeling because I think that's really ambiguous. <laughs> but how they're going to make it different while keeping the Star Wars feeling in there. Yeah. So can we talk about Ray's character arc in relationship to Kylo Ren? How do you think that is going to unfold? Yeah, so this is one of the major parts where we do see Ray's journey as the heroine's journey as opposed to a classic hero's because if you're looking at the various archetypes that Ray kind of encounters in her journey, Kylo Ren is clearly set up to be an animus figure. And that can ultimately be like a negative or positive thing. So it doesn't necessarily tell you exactly where the story's going, although there are hints in other aspects. But um, it basically means that he's the other. So he's like the opposite to Ray's heroine. So that's why you kind of get a lot of that mirror imagery where they seem so different, but they also have these kind of weird similarities, right? Right. Um, you know, when he's talking to her, like, you're so lonely, so afraid to leave. He could be describing himself. Like, that's kind of what you're supposed to pick up on there, right? Yeah. Um, so it's almost like he's a missing piece. So when we're talking about the heroine's journey and that integration of masculine and feminine, he's supposed to be the masculine uh, part of self. Mm-hmm. It, this sounds really strange. Um, it's not. It's not. I'm like furiously writing all this down because I think yeah, this is so interesting. <laughs> so it's kind of like if you the parallel with uh, the original trilogy would be um, that obviously Vader is Luke's shadow, right? He's like the missing aspect of self that he needs to integrate with to become an adult and complete his hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, because Ky- uh, people like to compare Kylo Ren to Vader because obviously that's the point of his journey like he he desperately wants to be that but because he's part of Ray's generation um it's just a different dynamic and it, I don't think that they're going to be related and that's kind of key to my understanding of their relationship um so you kind of get all these clues in the way that the creators talk about them because you've you've got J.J. Abrams describing them as two disparate pieces that come together you know mm-hmm. uh, this is the idea that the first half of The Force Awakens is kind of gearing up to them meeting like it's all building up to that moment on Takodana so <laughs> I know that this makes a lot of people in the fandom uncomfortable uh, because they kind of think that we're saying that Rey and Kylo will live happily ever after <laughs> uh, but we're not saying that like we're just saying that the central conflict um, is, is between those two characters. So Ray's journey will be to overcome him with compassion. Um, and that, that's his compassion for her and her compassion for him eventually. Um, because she's already overcome him physically and that's, that's really important. Mm-hmm. So the narrative probably makes it necessary for them to have another confrontation in The Last Jedi. But at that point, things are going to seriously evolve for their dynamic because she's going to learn more about him and why he fell, you know. Um, we're going to get his backstory. Um, so if Kylo ends up redeeming himself, and I, I think it's really going to go that way. Me too. Um, we yeah. both do. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's hard to look at The Force Awakens and not assume that there's going to be a redemption arc for Kylo. You know, mm. I, it just seems... I it seems obvious that he would he would eventually be redeemed through some form or fashion i think you can debate that but i think it's i think it's pretty clear that there will be i mean leia says so much there's still good in him there's still light in him um and i think that's really telling for where his character is going to go in the next couple of films yeah i can't help but wonder if that's a big part of why they actually made him kill han solo because yeah. I think for many people, that's the most unforgivable thing any character mm-hmm. could do in these films. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 
by having him do that, then that does actually make it a question. Because I think if he hadn't done the act, I think everyone would be on the same page. Everyone yeah. would be like, yes, this guy is clearly being set up for a redemption arc. That is where they're going with him. But because he killed everyone's fave, Han Solo, <laughs> it's like, you're a man! are adamant that Kylo cannot be redeemed and that would be wrong to redeem him. And I understand where those people are coming from because yeah. it is an awful, awful thing to kill your father. Oh, and yeah. just in an out-of-universe, from an out-of-universe perspective, it's also Han Solo, who's a really intensely beloved character. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think they did that to really raise those dramatic stakes and to really make it a question. Because yeah, I think otherwise it's just a given because all the ingredients for a redemption arc are there. I'm sorry for interrupting you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, yeah, with the redemption, I think a lot of people who don't like the idea are worried that he would then become more important in the narrative than Ray. But I think it's important for Ray's journey that Kylo redeem himself because that's mm-hmm. then her integrating, you know? For sure, um, yeah. So that's her kind of overcoming what she initially hated and was afraid of. So that's really powerful on her journey as a hero too. That's so yeah. true. Yeah, I think the. I mean, going back to Han Solo, we've talked to, Charlotte and I have talked about this at length, both just together and on the podcast, I think. But it's all, I kind of view it as because he killed Han Solo, he has to be redeemed because if, if he doesn't, then that makes the death of Han Solo a meaningless death. You know, yes. and, and I, I can't believe that they would do that to a character who is so beloved as Han Solo because he's he's one of the I think a lot of people would say he's their all time favorite Star Wars character. So to think that they would kill him off in such a dramatic fashion like that and not have any good come from it. Um, yeah. I personally would be really surprised if they did that. I really think that the death of Han Solo, the murder of Han Solo by Kylo is the catalyst that propels Kylo on this redemption arc that i think we're gonna see um yeah so i think you see a lot of refusal to accept that kylo ren is actually han solo's son like when the pe- when people are insisting that this character can't be redeemed it's rare to see it acknowledged that he's actually han's child mm-hmm. he's just treated as han's murderer um because yeah. i think it raises too many uncomfortable questions and issues if you acknowledge the family relationship there mm-hmm. um but yeah they make a real point of after, even after han has been killed he still reaches out his hand and touches his son's face because he still loves him yeah so of course he does he's his father and yeah you're right if there is no redemption if nothing good comes from it then it was a completely futile sacrifice on han's part because he didn't go out on that bridge to save ray and finn they were fine they were off doing their own thing he went out on that bridge to save kylo ren so the ultimate reward for that should be the return of ben solo to the light exactly and i mean harrison ford has said so much in the past about how when he wanted Han Solo to die in the original trilogy, he wanted it to be some kind of sacrifice. Um, mm. And so I think that lines up with what they've done in the force awakens. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the redemption arc. Kylo is probably one of my favorite characters right now. So I'm, that's what I'm really looking forward to, I think. And I think that you're absolutely right that Ray and Kylo, I, I think they are our two main characters now moving forward and the conflict between them is what's going to be driving I think a lot of The Last Jedi um, and kind of how they come together and what comes of that um, where Rey is finding that compassion for Kylo and, and learning to understand him more and being mm-hmm. part of being part of his redemption arc I think she's going to play a really big role in that yeah, yeah. So here's the next question. <laughs> How do you guys feel about Raylo? I know it's super controversial in the fandom for reasons that I go back and forth between agreeing with and disagreeing with. 
Um, mm. But I want to hear your perspective. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, know. I was like in the room. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is so hard to talk about it because there are such strong, strong feelings about this subject. And I completely get it. I really understand why. Kylo, he is very much a villain in The Force Awakens. And Ray, <laughs> to put it mildly, hardly looks upon him kindly. And she's completely justified in not looking upon him kindly because he's a douche mm-hmm. um, in that film. <laughs> um, um, I guess the thing I'd say to people who like either hate the idea or just deeply sceptical, I'd just say to be patient because the main thing is to just see how it plays out. Definitely. Because a lot of the time I see people say, oh, if Raylo happens, it'll be like Star Wars has become Twilight or Star Wars has become Fifty Shades of Grey. But... Um, like that kind of counts on the execution being rubbish, basically, mm-hmm. because yeah, exactly. there's nothing fundamentally wrong with like a intensely dramatic love story where there's these seemingly unsurmountable divides between the characters. Like that has been the stuff of some of the best novels and plays and art ever created. So it could be a really, really great and powerful story in the right hands. And I trust Ryan Johnson. So if Raylo does happen, and if it is going to happen, I'm pretty sure it's going to have to get there basically in The Last Jedi. I trust Ryan Johnson to pull it off and to really make it work and to make it feel justified and believable given who those characters are and what we've already seen from them. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, it's like Kirsty said, we've already seen these people like in physical combat and Ray has already overcome Kylo Ren. So I think there has to be a story there where it's about reconciliation and coming to understand each other and developing empathy for one another, like rather than just about becoming more and more hateful and becoming bitterer and bitterer enemies, because it can't just be that every film has a climax where Ray and Kylo are dueling and it's like, I hate you. No, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I think there has to be some kind of movement that is more interesting than that. And I don't think that necessarily has to be romantic. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a really great story to tell if it is a love story. I really agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I, I really do. Because I, my perspective of the whole Raylo thing is that I am unwilling and um, trepidatious, I suppose, to attach myself to Raylo, but I, because I don't know how it's going to end, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, so I am, I'm ready to be patient. I totally trust Ryan Johnson. I'm ready to see whatever they throw at us. And I, I really think it's going to be an amazing story. Yeah, I think a lot of the initial <clears throat> visceral anger that you saw towards the idea in fandom was, well, one of the things was, the main thing was the assumption that Ray and Kylo Ren were related, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously, because that's yeah. kind of a thing in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but the other thing was that people thought that those of us who saw it as a potential story direction were erasing Finn from his, from his own narrative. Um, because a lot of people thought that Finn and Ray would end up together because they got along so well in The Force Awakens. But I think now people are kind of getting used to the potential Finn and Rose romance right. idea that they were kind of pushing pretty heavily at Celebration. Yeah, um, I feel like that's happening. Yeah, if it's <laughs> not, I guess it's just another... of a sledgehammer with that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I would hope that it's happening because I don't like the idea of them just using Finn's character as misdirection over and over again because they kind of did that with the marketing for The Force Awakens, right? Mm -hmm. They kind of Mm -hmm. led people to believe that he was going to be the Force-sensitive who would have that central conflict with Kylo. And obviously now we know that's Rey. So um, 
I get it. You know, like, like Rachel said, we know that Kylo Ren is the villain in The Force Awakens. Like, that's where the stakes come from. Um, so it's it's understandable because Rey is kind of our entry point into the story. So we're seeing everything unfold through her eyes. And right now, she thinks that Kylo Ren is a monster. So that's the journey. And the audience is going to go on it with her. Um, so it, it completely makes sense that people would feel that way now. It's just kind of thinking about where things could go. Yeah, and I think that's so hard for fans, for a lot of us, myself included, because I feel like things were left so open-ended, at, I mean, a literal cliffhanger, at the end of The Force Awakens. And so it, it's hard to see how, I think if you're a casual viewer, it's hard to see how that kind of relationship would fall into place in the next couple of films. But I think I think you said it, Rachel, um, about how the movie wouldn't be interesting if it just ended again with a, a whole other duel between Kylo and Ray just screaming at each other how much they hate each other. Um, <laughs> there needs to be something more interesting. There needs to be more development. Um, and like I said earlier, I think that Kylo is going to be redeemed and so, and Ray is going to play a part in that. And so they have to come together at some point. And I think they have to spend more time, like screen time together um, for that development to happen. So shifting gears, um, uh, as a female fan, what excites you most about the future of the Star Wars franchise? <sighs> I guess for me, um, it's like the prospect of seeing it taken, it, like it just becoming a fact of life that Star Wars is for everyone, mm-hmm. not just boys and men. I, I, I know that some people probably already think this is the case, um, but like just to illustrate, I have a, a five-year-old niece and she's intent on the idea that some things are for boys and some things are for girls. Mm. So like Thomas the Tank Engine, I don't know if you have that in America. Yeah, we, do. Thomas the, we do. <laughs> yeah, Thomas the Tank Engine was on TV and she was throwing like a proper strop because she's like, this is for boys. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> like my inner feminist is just <laughs> like, oh, it's so frustrated. Um, and yeah, so basically my niece, she's like a bit iffy on who Star Wars is for. Like I'm working on it. <laughs> um, she's confident that a story about Rey would be for her. And she really, really relishes watching a girl fight with a lightsaber. Like sh- you should just see her eyes light up as she's watching like Rey whoop Kylo's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me such pleasure to watch it. It's lovely. Um, and yeah, I, I just look forward to seeing Rey become part of the popular imagination, like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Um, and I absolutely think we're already on the road to that destination. And I just look forward to seeing that becoming more and more entrenched. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Same for me. Like Leia was obviously an amazing heroine in Star Wars. Um, but what really excites me now is like the prospect of stories told outside of the male gaze, because as awesome as Leia is, she's kind of in a new hope, especially she kind of serves a purpose in Luke's hero journey. Right. That's mm-hmm. kind of where her character fits in. She's like his anima before the awkward ret- retcon happened of them being twins. That <laughs> um, Ray is like indisputably the protagonist. Right. So, and so was Jin. So we have these amazing female and animated characters as well so we're getting all these women-oriented books and comics and part of that is probably just business probably a big part of it that disney and lucasfilm are intentionally going to try to attract these new fans um but it's also in line with what star wars values have always been so hopefully existing fans can embrace that too and i'm just really excited about the possibilities 
Me too, me too. I'm so excited for Forces of Destiny. I think it's going to be really yeah. great for kids. And the dolls are, like, amazing. I, I just love it all. I'm, like, really excited yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah, they have the dolls at Celebration, and they just look so cool. I think I'm going to have to get, get a couple of those. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's like the dolls look so favorite. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to cost so much money. <laughs> but we love it. Yeah, I have um, I have three nieces myself, um, and they they're two. So the I actually have two twin nieces, um, and they're two. So they aren't quite into like watching TV yet. But I'm so excited when I saw Forces of Destiny. I was like, that's something they could get into because it's short, it's sweet, and it's it's it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I was like, that will be such a great way to to start introducing them to the greatness of the Star Wars universe, um, yeah. and. Yeah, it's really exciting seeing what the future for Star Wars holds. And just, I mean, the fact that there are so many women now in the in the Star Wars universe who are doing so many things. They're not just relegated to these one roles, but we see them in all different types of, of occupations and um and adventures, you know, they're, they're in politics, they're, they're Jedi, they're um, forging their own destinies, they're in the rebellion, they're doing so many different things. And I think for me, that's what's most exciting is seeing just the variety of women and the variety of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, So to wrap it up, um, we like to do a little game on our podcast where we call it the Star Wars Dinner. Um, and basically what the Star Wars Dinner is, is that you can invite any five people in the Star Wars universe. Um, usually we go for like the actors and creators of Star Wars, but it can be characters too. Um, and you can invite any five people that you want to your Star Wars Dinner and they have to come. Um, and we like to ask people who they would most want to invite to their Star Wars Dinner. So we want to know who you guys would, would bring. Why did you go first, <laughs> This was really hard to think about, and I ended up going for more characters, which is you usually go for actors. Is that what you said? Yeah, um, that's what you, we usually do. But characters yeah. are fine too. It's, yeah, yeah. Anything if you're Star Wars dinner, you can bring whoever you want. <laughs> I really want to take Ray to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I need to feed her up. I just oh, the beginning of the Force Awakens just breaks my heart every time I see it. So I want to take her to dinner, and she can order anything she wants. Oh. <laughs> She does um, need like a, a a proper like dinner with people and like mm. four co- five courses and she's gets to eat her fill. Yeah, I'd sure. say take Ray to an all you can eat buffet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I would really want Carrie to come because I would just love to laugh and cry with her. Like thank her for all her wonderful writing and all her contributions to Star Wars because she's just amazing mm-hmm. and I miss her. Um. And then, like, more characters would be Padme. I would want to rant angrily with her about politics after we've had a few drinks. <laughs> That's what I do when I've had oh a few gosh. drinks. Um, and then Chirrut and Baze, because I want that awkward married banter. <laughs> that is a great... A I great, love that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Just ranting with Padme about politics, just watching Chirrut and Baze, and then just, like, giving Ray a good dinner. And yeah. then Carrie would be there commenting on everything. <laughs> I feel like that would be a good time. It it's very be. eclectic in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the subject of eclectic, uh, I, I'm not sure if I beat you, um, Kirsty. I'll let everyone else judge. <laughs> um, so, guest number one, most importantly, Palpatine. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because I find him really funny, <laughs> and I just like ask him to like do the evil laugh like on demand, like until the point where he got really annoyed. Um, 
And then I'd have Snice Noodles. Okay. Um, from the Max Rebo band. Um, <laughs> like, for several reasons. Like, probably Sing, because Lapty Neck is amazing. And um, I also want to know how Snice Noodles eats. Because I, I don't know if you have, like, a mental image of Snice Noodles, but she's very, very, <laughs> yeah. very weird looking. Um, oh, and then, um, then Harrison Ford. <laughs> Just because I'd like to see the... Um, dynamic between him and Palpatine and Slice Noodles because I think he'd just be so bewildered um, and then Ryan Johnson who I'd probably like keep off to the side to like interrogate and to squeeze for information as much as possible so um, he's there for like my selfish reasons um, and then for Ray to like just inject some sunshine and to make everything nice and pleasant and also to feed her but I, I won't elaborate on that too much because that's Kirsty's reason <laughs> Sized noodles might take the cake. I don't think I would have ever anticipated <laughs> anyone inviting sized noodles or Palpatine for that matter. Um, they... like, I, I probably was being a bit of a tryhard, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I do too, because you can see Ryan Johnson would probably just be geeking out the whole dinner about Palpatine and sized noodles, and then Harrison <laughs> would just kind of be sitting there with his hands folded, probably, and not know what to say. <laughs> I think kid, kid like was on some like crazy trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I love that. <laughs> we gotta like beef up our Star Wars dinner game, Charlotte. I know what the heck you guys won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm always like, I'll bring Dave Filoni, and I'm good. <laughs> oh, that is a good one. Dave is awesome. Is. Dave is an oracle. Like I feel like he knows yeah. more than you think he does. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. With, with cowboy hat, I expect. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he keeps the secrets inside his couch. <laughs> I do sometimes wonder if it's like part of him. Like if you tried to pull it off, it would be like it was glued on. <laughs> well, what I loved is in the, I think it's the Force Awakens bonus features when they're like, they show shots of the archive of all the filmmakers in the archive, like doing research. And you see Dave, but he's without his cowboy hat. So it's like he's <gasps> trying to go incognito so that no one sees him in there. I was going to say, like he's like unrecognizable. Yeah. Well, I feel like I wouldn't know what he would look like without the hat. It's just like yeah, part of him. It's weird. It's weird. I'll be honest. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rachel and Kirsty, for stopping by. We're so happy that you are here. Um, where can everyone find you? Um, um, you can find us at Scavengers Horde. We're on iTunes and YouTube and uh, on Twitter as well, if you want to follow us there and say hi. What's coming next for the podcast? Do you guys have any fun plans coming up or are you going to let it unfold naturally? Um, literally right after we finish with you, we are going to do a podcast breaking down the Last Jedi teaser trailer. Nice. So, <laughs> Very that'll fast. be fun. Yeah, and we'll uh, do what we do best, which is hopelessly overanalyze everything. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be very fun. We love that. <laughs> yeah, oh, thanks thank so much for having us on. I really love your show. So this was a pleasure. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. <laughs> So I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us at SkyTalkersPod on Twitter. And we have absolutely loved getting all the pictures of where you guys are putting your bumper stickers. It's seriously been making our day. So if you've gotten some bumper stickers, we would love for you to send us some pictures about where you're putting it. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, we would love if you would take a second and rate and review us there. And if you like what we do and you want to support our content, head on over to our Patreon page to find out more. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. It means the world to us. And as always, signing off, and may the Force be with you.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sky Talkers, This Galactic Life, part of the Assembly of Geeks Podcasting Network. Find the girls on skytalkers.com and we'll see you next time.